Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Ron Jakurin. How are you, Ron? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure, Ron. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for, uh, we had a few technical issues, but we waited, we waited our th- way through, you think two years and a bit of uh, being in the pandemic, we'd be good at video, uh, video based as everyone who listens knows we do these all remotely now. And uh, 99% of the time, the technology is awesome. And 1% of the time it conspires against, but I think we can all relate to that. Ron, you are the founder and president at Imagine Cities. And you and I've had a couple of really cool conversations about just the way you look at things and the perspective that you bring from your background. So let's just start, let's jump in the old uh Elevator, pitch elevator. Tell me what's what's Imagine Cities all about. Let's go from there. Yeah. So before I, I talk about Imagine City, I just want to give you a bit of an example of you know the the what we're trying to do. So okay. a good example is British cycling. So in you know since 1908, British riders had just won one single gold medal at the Olympics. For 110 years, they had not won the Tour de France, and top bike manufacturers didn't even want to sell their bikes to the Brits. And then they hired this gentleman called Dave Brailsford. And and Dave combines science with incrementalism. So he he makes these small changes that collectively result in this massive change. So he redesigned the bike seats. He rubbed alcohol on the tires for for, uh, better grip. He heated the shorts that the bikers wore. He put in biofeedback sensors and changed fabrics that they wore, et cetera, et cetera. And all these small incremental changes resulted in just five years, uh, British cycling winning uh, 60% of all gold medals at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. In 2008, they also won the Tour de France. They won it again in 2015, 2016, 2017. They won uh, Tour de France five out of six years. And between 2007 and 2017, they won 178 world championships. And in a way, that's what we're trying to do with Imagine Cities. That's a great so. opener, Ron, to a story <laughs> like that. You got, everyone's leaning in now, listening. Excellent uh, podcast guest strategy, my friend. So, oh, okay, I have so many questions, but please continue. <laughs> yeah, so uh, ultimately, that's what we're trying to do with Imagine Cities. Our position is that great cities are made through great communities. And if we can support incremental change within communities, we can support transformation. And we do that through through three programs. Uh, Our first program is based in research. We're launching a a city's research search engine. So you can go in and and find, find research. Our second is, um, you know, from the research, we find all of these incredible people who are changing the world and they use these unique tools and skills. So we take those and we turn them into similar to like a Coursera, okay, where yep. you can take a step-by-step process to understand the tool, understand the skills that they use and maybe implement it yourself. So similar to British cycling, making 
you know, using these tools to make those incremental changes in, in your and Just to be clear, I don't, I'm not necessarily an urban planner, or I just, that's the thing that comes to mind for me that would look at this. This is an individual at a community association who might tap into this as a resource to understand things they can do to clean up their neighborhood or to get more funding for, a, you know, a public, some type of a, you know, a playground or anything like that. This is right through the board from a top level professional all the way down to somebody who's just like, yeah, I volunteer at my community association and we need better ideas. Yeah, 100%. Eventually, yeah. we want to build collaboration between the private sector, the public sector, and communities. But we're focused, uh, our initial um, audience are communities, specifically, like you said, community associations where there is a governance structure and uh, the ability okay. to organize. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, we have community associations here in Calgary. They're called community houses out in Vancouver. Uh, they have different names, but they all serve a similar purpose. Okay. Um, and then the other piece I would add to that is, you know, through research and through understanding, uh, sorry, through research, you can better understand what it takes to build a great community. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, uh, absolutely perfect. And it, that, si that research evolves over time. But you can say, you know, there are certain elements to building a great community. How can we help communities get and, and make those incremental changes to get to that point. So um, where, you know, we have 20 indicators, for example, that we collect research across. That's all, you know, there's a, a ton of stuff in there that, that folks okay. can, that need to understand, but also implement to make local change. Tying into your cycling, you're gonna set, you've set the stage now with that as the, as the benchmark story for the day. Uh, okay, one thing I got to ask, because I'm, I'm just curious, I've just never heard of the word, incrementalism, is that a, like, thinking objectivism, going back to my old, uh, I think that's Atlas Shrugged days, like different philosophies on how to do things. I've just never heard the word incrementalism, even though it makes a ton of sense. I just, maybe it's my own blind spot, but is there a specific discipline just around that concept that I'm completely uh, ignorant to, <laughs> feel that way? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that I've seen incrementalism in many places work very well. I'm going to ask Google um, after we get off this episode. Yeah. But for right now, I'm going to stay focused. My tendency is to want to go start Googling it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that, you know, we tend to look at uh, in public policy or in, even in our politics, these grand policies, these grandiose situations because it makes think, for because it makes for good headlines ron i'm going to boldly say that <laughs> <laughs> but even if we look at ourselves as individuals right we look mm -hmm. at you know can we make grand changes overnight chances are not really so you know one example is you know we we know that there's a science to relationships the relationship that you have with your significant other and it dates back 30 years 40 years where they studied relationships and found trends within the relationships that lasted and then they said okay we found these trends let's try to you know teach people about them and you you get taught about them and then all of a sudden your relationship improves but you're not your relationship is not going to improve overnight it's going to take time because we're very habitual beings right and it takes us time to change those habits it's funny. We think everyone else is simple in their changes, but we but we believe we are often complex. It's funny. That's what's the old <laughs> joke. I judge others. I judge myself by my intentions, but others by their actions. And I feel like we're going down a philosophical road on our podcast. When it comes to cities, town, like how much does size? You come from Toronto. I know that's your background, and I know you you know, you and I chatted a little bit offline on how some of the things you saw emerging there. How much does the size of the ecosystem there, the city? Like I live in Martelupe, and we have a community center. My wife was on the community center board for a couple of years, and very well run and governance. And we they had some ex like CEO CFO types kind of running it, so they brought in a lot of process. And my wife's experience was from being in corporate. She's like, it's great. It wasn't just a bunch of people sitting around throwing ideas at each other. There was actually structure. But that's just a Martelloop Community Center down the street from my house. I could also, with the same glance, look and see downtown Calgary and you know, almost see City Hall. How does it differ in scale at the scope of like what works at the community level versus what works at the city? Like bigger, they're also communities. But does it matter or is it just the same philosophy and structure kind of scaled up and down based on the size, scope, or complexity of who's sitting around the table? I think ultimately where we want to get to is having a common having common goals as a city and and how do communities play in to those common goals you know in calgary we had uh the imagine calgary and we tend to not have 
outside of Imagine Calgary, we tend not to have these bigger conversations around what do we really want. We have, you know, elected officials that project to us what we want, but when do we have conversations about what we want? And I think though that is a valuable thing to do and to have, and I think it should happen more often. And from finding this collective, or not this, you know, from a city level, what we're looking to do, and then also from a community level, each community is different, no community is alike. So, and what do they want to focus on in that community? And then how do we build cooperation between the private sector, the public sector, and communities to then drive towards those, those goals and, and using data to see how we're making progress against those goals? Um, I, I think that we should do less of this division of you know, communities and then cities. I think you know a mayor should speak to uh, for sure the the larger city goals, but could also speak to the community of Marta Loop and what they're looking to do and what they're wanting to achieve and how the city is supporting those efforts. Um, so just a, a a different way of looking at it. But I just wanted to pull back just a little bit, Tyler, because I also want to speak to. The world is changing, right? Uh, the world has always moved fast. You know, we live in a VUCA world, it, it, and we have to ad- we have to adapt to that change. So, you know, I speak to oft- I often speak to the shift of economic power. For example, it's shifting east and south, Asia, Africa, South South America. You know, Lagos, Nigeria, Pune, India. These are places that you know not a lot of people know about, but are some of the big. You know. Some of the fastest growing economic power exists in these places, and Shenzhen was a fishing village in 1980 and now produces the third highest GDP in China. So in this environment of change, of where you know, certain types of resources are going to be pulled in different directions in comparison to the past, um, how do we exist within this environment? And knowing that cities produce 80% of all economic activity globally, the, yeah, the question then becomes um, in this shifting environment, in this changing environment, and we're seeing the outcomes, right, of those who lack resources and, and the different steps they're taking. And some, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, some unhealthy steps or, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, when I moved here to Calgary, it was in an economic downturn, and I went to go see a play. And uh, it was Billy Elliot. And in that play, um, you know, in, in, in the election at that time, it was a conversation about, you know, the future of our economy and oil and gas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember in the play, and this was, uh, in the play, it was about coal, right? And, and in the play, the father said, I just want to put food on my kid's table, man. You tell me how to do it, I'll do it. But just right now, all I know is coal. Right. So that's what I'm trying to do. So I, I really understand that and, and empathize with that uh, because I come from a background that is, you know, we were impoverished. Right. And, and it was I came from a violent neighborhood that we didn't have a ton of resources. So I can really empathize with with that. Um, but it comes back to, you know, how can we, you know, adapt as a city, as a province and as and like I said earlier, like. Our cities and our province are made up of communities, and how can right. we help our communities adapt? How do you see when you talk about the shift in you know kind of global economic power and where things are moving? And you're right, a lot of these towns, a lot of these. I love your Shenzhen story about 1980 it was a fishing village, and you know the third largest GDP in China. That's basically an overnight transition if you think of 1980. For some of us, I I I, I loosely remember 1980. <laughs> I'm not going to overcommit on that one. It was seven, but I can still. Uh, I, I was present and and, and participating. How do we, it feels like, it feels like we can barely get out of our own way to deal with what our day-to-day challenges at a municipal or a provincial or even federal level. And I understand like it's research, it's understanding, but how do we pull it up? Because someone had a vision in 1980 to turn that fishing village into something beyond that. And I would guess they're not focusing on four-year election cycles. They were focusing on a much larger time frame. It feels like North America, because I'll speak to that, we inherently have some mechanisms in place for maybe good reason that I feel might be getting in the way of that kind of longer 40-year, 50-year driving change type, like big change, like you said. Yeah, I think we, you know, previously we had a conversation about Toronto and, and at university and college. There's this, uh, there's, you know, 
U of T's health, um, you know, yeah. department, their, their health sciences. And then across the street from that are five hospitals. And then across from that is Mars Discovery District, right? And we had that conversation about how much of it is planned and how much of it is organic. And I think it's a mix of both, right? So, you know, you had U of T establish and then and it's like their medical sciences. So then, you know, they're like, well, what would be great to connect with the U of T is let's build some hospitals here. And then, uh, and then, you know, industry or, you know, government are like, oh, we want to develop for the fourth industrial revolution. And we see this like, you know, kind of beginnings of an ecosystem. There's a university, there's a hospital. So let's plan now. Right. So they plan see, for it Mars. Feel, it feels like it kind of moves back and forth. Between yeah. The two. yeah. And then okay. there's public transit. There's bikes. You can use bikes and uh, transit and cars and uh, multimodal systems there. There's arts and culture and green space. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, there's this fluctuation between planning. And, but I would also argue that, you know, the research behind building and eco creating economic activity dates back to the 18th and 19th century, right? So Elizabeth Perlman <clears throat> did this study looking at 18th and 19th century economic development, and she found that there's a strong correlation between the number of registered patents, uh, access to multimodal, trans uh, multimodal mobility, which it, at that time was canals, railways, horses, that sort it's of Essentially stuff. the ability to get around and intermingle yeah. with each other. <laughs> yeah. And then the third thing was agglomeration of people, right? So urbanizing communities. And that's going back to the 18th and 19th century. Hmm. And then even in the 70s, they did a study of Italy and there's, you know, it's during an economic downturn. But even during the economic downturn, they found communities within Italy that were still producing, were still, you know, economically vibrant. And they found similar things, right? They found that they were, um, you know, in, prox in close proximity with each other. There was a lot of walkability and the ability to just randomly connect these uh, collisions that we talk about today. Right. And that's going back to the 70s. And, you know, they found obviously trust and cooperation is part of that too. But in, uh, the last piece that they found in both studies is the clustering of supportive um, uh, pieces as well, right? So um, one example is uh, Kendall Square, which is in Cambridge. And um, they had Harvard University, they had MIT, and they had this parking lot in between. And people used it to take the, the, the train downtown. And over a 20-year period, they transitioned that parking lot to the most innovative square mile in the world. One of the most innovative square miles in the world. And what did they do? They, they created this cluster of, in a 15-minute bike ride, you can get to investments, you can get to banking, you can get to co-working spaces, you can get to research institutions, you can get to other um, start uh, like companies that are in your space of health in that specific area it's health sciences uh and mentorship and all that sort of stuff but um and then in addition to that you can get to cafes you can get to green space you it's walkable it's bikeable it's it's not um anyway so my point is is that uh the science holds true every time you see the outcome right so we can have conversation around is this right or is this wrong um but i could we could look at what other cities have done and what the fruits of their labor has bared uh to determine that and i would also add to, sorry last part is adaptation right because just because kendall square has been built doesn't mean that in the next five years, they're not going to be making slight changes here and there, these incremental changes, right? Yeah, the, to, the, the, the it's never done mindset, right? Because mm -hmm. yeah. we're always evolving, hopefully. 
(laughs) if things aren't going well, we're not. So let's bring it back to Calgary. Listen to you talk and listen to you talk about the Cambridge example. I immediately start thinking about Platform Calgary. I start thinking about the library. I start thinking about what the plan is for Arts Commons, kind of that amazing, like what's starting to emerge there. And even talking to people that come to Calgary and they're like, oh yeah, I've heard it's diverse. I heard it's all these things. Then they stumble on the library and they go, oh, Okay, I see what's I see, okay, I have some faith now. I have some hope that this is actually going on because depending on what street you drive down, Calgary can appear a very one-dimensional city, but that can happen anywhere. The library blows that up right away. So, what are you seeing bringing this back to our, our quote-unquote backyard or our front yard or all of our yards? How do you see Calgary in terms of as we're evolving? I moved here 20 years ago and it felt pretty one-dimensional and that was my after living in Montreal, but I wouldn't say that as much about Calgary. Like I, I, I still think we've got room to improve, but it feels like we're on the path. So when you look at things like that that are going on in our city, does that give you hope? Is that, is that the types of things that we want to and need to see based on your research that will make that difference? Yeah, I think, uh, so three things. So nothing's ever perfect, that whole idea of continuous improvement, right? So um, we need to keep that in mind. Or incrementalism. I'm going to use that multiple times today, by the way. You know, you, we put that in my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. So uh, because the the research changes, right? And over time, the research will tell us, oh, there's a small piece you could do here. There's a small piece you could do there. So that's one piece, uh, one part of that. The second part of it is uh, I moved to Calgary around six years ago, okay. almost seven now. And I just have to say, it's pretty incredible the amount of change that has occurred in Calgary. Because if you compare us to a Detroit, right? Like Detroit knew like 30 years before the bankruptcy that stuff's going down. The things, right? were, like going in, the things were going in the wrong direction. Yeah, like <laughs> when the free trade agreement got signed, that's what happened. And then also the New Jersey. New Jersey had Bell Labs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, was a, it was the Silicon Valley of the US. You know, it is what it is today. But when you read some that. of those old innovation storylines of the role that mm. Bell Labs played, like which is a yeah. name you don't even hear, but when you start looking at some of the, you know, the history of innovation and how it all like laddered, uh, that's where I first got it. Even knew Bell Labs was a thing, and then all of a sudden, it just doesn't get talked about anymore. <laughs> exactly right. So, <laughs> so knowing that, and then knowing where we've come in seven years, it, it's pretty incredible. Hmm, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we need to put it in that context. People, you know, we want things to happen right away. And unfortunately, when it comes to transitioning to a new industrial period, it takes a bit of time. Um, I would- <laughs> I pre- let's give us a little bit of grace there. I appreciate that. This is the fourth industrial revolution, but can we, can we have it done by tomorrow? Do you think? Yeah. Do cool? you think that'd be cool? Exactly. Can, I have it, can I have it delivered by five? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and you're seeing- Oh, Amazon go- is creating monsters out of us all. Now, now, I want it now. I need that roll of toilet paper right now. Yeah, this <laughs> well, morning. That's I ordered example. it an hour ago. Please yes, why is right it now. not knocking at my door? <laughs> No, and yet, when you talk about that combination of like what the role technology plays and the speed, but yet when you think of a city, there's still bricks and mortar. We still have real buildings that need to be repurposed and the Calgary downtown and um, you know the vacancy rates that we have, but the slow change of some of those buildings being adapted to other things. I guess I'm just thinking out loud of just being respectful of, yes, maybe technology can move at the speed of, of, of our thoughts, but yet buildings are still buildings and material and construction still takes time to change. <laughs> But it's also building the ecosystem that enables that technology as well, right? Yeah. So, which is what we're doing right now. So, I, like, you know, Arts Commons, like the, the library, you know, the redevelopment of, you know, the arena um, that will potentially happen. Hopefully, uh, hopefully <laughs> Ron, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but by the time this airs, I will have had the mayor on. I have her oh, on in two perfect. days. I'm talking to her on Thursday morning. So yeah. I did float over the uh, the pre-list to her um, media people to make sure that we could talk about the arena deal because okay. I really want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but what that you know potential arena deal catalyzes is uh, an entertainment district, art yes. and culture. All of yeah, that the revitalization of, of that whole corridor and the vision yeah. of it is quite powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see that, um, which is incredible. We see venture capital uh, downtown. Uh, the only thing that I'm concerned about is the scale of our ecosystem. So okay. when you look at an ecosystem, you're looking at definitely, you know, the the pieces downtown that we're seeing. But on the east side, we have the innovation center, we have the library, that sort of stuff. But then where's the venture capital? It's on the west side of downtown or central mm-hmm. west. Uh, that is of concern to me. The third piece is mm-hmm. the research. So the research is up on 16th, right? So 
Whereas, so, and this is where you get into these competitive ecosystems, right? So we yeah, don't necessarily they're, they're vying to, for the for they're vying for the foot traffic almost and they're too and, far in between <laughs> and so if mm. we if we look at ecosystems you know what industries are are we participating in uh so health sciences uh, obviously energy yeah and then how do we compare to the other ecosystems in this space ag tech transportation logistics there's mm -hmm. a handful that when you write to yeah. back it's so, so interesting yeah. what you're making me think about is like so many of my friends over the years including my wife work in oil and gas the plus 15 was that ecosystem mm. you could literally just walk around the plus 15 every day all day and do deals and meet people and run into people and like while i'm while i'm as i'm listening to you talk like we had this amazing industry we still have it in our province but it had an ecosystem which was called the plus 15 <laughs> and yeah. like i knew sales yeah. guys they're like all i do is hang out in the plus 15 all day and meet all my my prospects because they're all walking around so that really yeah. speaks to and you know i think terry rock told me that i think what's this most innovation happens within three stories of the street or two stories of the street because you can't go up to the top of the building back to our chat earlier about the ivory tower of leadership wondering why they're disconnected no no you got to be down and, and you got to be with the people to be with the people <laughs> yeah so like so if we're comparing you know health sciences i would compare it to kendall square 15 minute bike ride you get everything you need yeah, that you don't. We don't have that. We have forty-five minutes to an hour, and there's this new. I for, last year there's this new health sciences uh, innovation. I forget the name of it, innovation piece, but it was op it was established even further than than UFC. So, hmm. and then I mapped the bike ride, and the bike ride was like a half an hour bike ride. So. Um, and it, so is, is bike ride kind of the universal measure for distance, like a 15 minute bike ride, 10 minute bike ride? Convenient. I, I like it, but I was curious about that yeah. as, a, as an actual metric. Yeah, I, I tend to do bike rides just because ultimately it doesn't cost a lot to get a bike. Yeah. Right. So what you're trying to do is limit the barrier to, to, to participating in the, in the game. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. So if everyone could walk it, that would be great. <laughs> you know, that would like, be, that would be better. Yeah. I, I yeah. So that. I think that, uh, that's my, that's my only big concern at the moment is how, how big our ecosystem is. So I, but I, I've also mm -hmm. seen steps by the post-secondaries to move, uh, some of their, uh, pieces downtown, right? Like so at least have those downtown, downtown campuses. Yeah. Yeah. UFC mm -hmm. has some departments downtown. Um, so that, that's a, that's a good sign. For sure. Well, we've got a city that does have a bit of a reputation for a bit of sprawl and, you know, you've got build this big campus and it's all sexy, but it doesn't matter if nobody can get there or the only people can get there are a certain limited group because of transportation. And I have a nephew that just moved back from Victoria to spend his summer in Calgary and he doesn't have a car and he's like, uncle T, I don't, I, like I have a bike, but in Victoria, that was easy. I could get everywhere I needed to, but all of a sudden I'm in Calgary. I can only look for jobs now in this geography and just seeing him at 19 years old. It's a real, it's a real challenge for him. Yeah. <laughs> And I, just to come back to communities, like all of this stuff is being established in communities, right? So yeah. if, for example, you want to put in an LRT, it's going to go through communities. Those communities are either going to want it or not want it. Uh, and, but we know that access to transit is, is critical for a thriving economy. So if we can, you know, again, go back to talking to communities, exchanging knowledge with communities. Um, it allows us to, um, to reduce friction. Instead of just coming to them when the transit line is being built, it should have been a continuous conversation. Hey, guess what's years. happening in your backyard? Whoa, well, the first answer is <laughs> exactly. going to be no, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. how we are. We're very reactive as a species, right? So if we could you know, have that conversation through generations, like even generations, like if we have this established capability to have conversation and do that incremental change and stuff like that. And even if you look at research centers and stuff like, like each community, like if we look at a research center, for example, and they want to establish it in X, Y, and Z, and the community says, I don't know about this. If we had had these, just talk to communities around city building and had that cooperation to build that trust mm -hmm. like how yeah that engagement and and build that engagement so there there's this professionalism when it comes to city building and there's you know people right so one of <laughs> there's this uh there's this methodology to to engaging uh communities called citizen assemblies which i really enjoy because they integrate the professionalism 
with the local um, view perspectives, right? So they'll have someone come in that's professional in this space or whatever, and they'll speak to it. And that, but then the community will then talk about their perspectives. And then you find this convergence um, of perspectives because everyone thinks they're right, but it tends to be a, a mishmash of different perspectives that end up being the, you know, the best at that time, right? And I'm curious I, where, where yeah, we are. Like, I like what you just talked about, about, you know, we've got to all get around the table and ability to share our ideas. And it's not, I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. It's like, we all have a different perspective. And that seems so idealistic to say it now. Is that something we're evolving towards? If I think about, you know, watching, you know, what maybe it's old Westerns or watching movies about the railroad, we just put the railroad through. <laughs> we don't care about the consequences. This is innovation. This is, you can't stop industry. We're going to plow this through your land. Maybe you win because you get a town, you lose. But now as the public, we have a much more powerful voice whether that's social media or whether that's ability to amplify, is that balancing coming back into check? And it feels, it's, it's messy right now. And I'm okay with the word messy because humans are messy. <laughs> and when we interact with each other, are we reaching more of a place where we have no choice but to create a balance versus something being done to you versus something being done with you? And is that an evolution that's happening because the public kind of has a bigger voice now because of just digital and the tools? Like we live in a different ecosystem that feels if something isn't going the right way, a community has maybe more of a voice than they had 50 years ago? Or is that just me? watching too many westerns about the railroad <laughs> I, I think that um i i would agree with you that there's an evolution so uh, and it comes back to adapting right so we have social media we have all these uh different forms of connecting and and stuff so um in that new environment how are we it forces government to adapt and if they don't adapt they face the repercussions of that but it also forces communities to adapt. And hopefully, you know, when we look at Twitter, for example, hopefully they adapt as well because we want, we need to be able to build it, create an environment that allows for healthy conversation. Mm. Whereas I feel like, you know, I don't, anything I follow on Instagram, Twitter, anyone who gets into just blaming or, or not necessarily <laughs> blaming, but attacking, I automatically unfollow. Right, um, exchanging perspectives in a respectful way, um, I'll I'll continue following them. But there's there so so I think in that environment, I think that we are going through a period of adaptation. So uh, you know, if we look at government, for example, you know, I was at the city of Toronto when Uber was established, uh, when Uber came to town, and you had so many protests and, and stuff like that. Is there a way for us to have better engaged, uh, you know, cab drivers and, and all that sort of stuff through social media, through um, other types of engagement? Um, and I, I think there, there could have been, right? I, you know, Uber, before it came to Toronto, was established for some time, right? So we know that technology will, like Uber will come to Toronto. Yes. So was there the ability to preempt that and have those conversations? And not that conversation is not an easy conversation because there's a bunch of people who are losing a ton of money. Totally. But that, that's a hot potato conversation. Nobody wants yeah. to like, Oof, I don't want to, I don't want to hold on for that too long because it'll somehow burn me. <laughs> yeah. Let's stick our heads in the sand. Because <laughs> that always solves every problem, doesn't it, Ron? <laughs> Never in the yeah. history of ever, but anyways, uh, what so is, I think ost it's, ostriches, right? Ostriches, that's who sticks yeah, in the sand. <laughs> yeah, so I think we are being forced to adapt, right? And right. this is the messiness of that adaptation And process. you did make the comment at, at earlier, at a, at a much, at what is seemingly an overwhelmingly fast pace, just mm -hmm. as an average individual, like, sometimes you just got to close your eyes because you're like, I just don't want to deal with another new thing coming at me today. Yeah. And that's why I say sometimes, like, pick, you know, what do you care about most? Right. And let's pick one or two things. That's why, like, if we talk to communities, we're not, we don't say pick 20 things. We would say pick a couple of things. A strat that plan unfortunately usually fails. Like, I want to three <laughs> is maximum. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, once you unpack them, they become, they become hundreds usually, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, what's important to you? And, 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 you know, speak to, speak to those things. And, you know, other people will speak to the other topics. And, and I think that is a more manageable way <laughs> to proceed. I think. Well, Ron, sounds pretty idealistic of you here this morning on a, on a, on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, 
being in Calgary now, obviously you have your roots in Toronto. This platform isn't obviously just Calgary. This is a global, Imagine Cities focuses everywhere. Are there certain jurisdictions you mentioned, Cambridge, and is there, you mentioned Italy and as a, as a reference point for showing the impact of like, hey, why is it still working here? Is there other jurisdictions in the world that you look to from an inspiration that are maybe... Uh, in re relatable to Calgary, because sometimes you look at Toronto and go, well, yeah, but Toronto is four times large. Like it's a very different ecosystem. I know it's still a bunch of humans having a messy experience, but is there parts of the world that you look to and go, okay, wow, there's a, there's an environment that's maybe a few years ahead of where we are in Calgary or something where, wow, we can really learn from them because they've already conquered certain challenges that we have that are similar. Anything like that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I focus, uh, we could focus on look at so there's two pieces to this. So one piece, first piece is what industries do we exist in, um, and how, and and then for that, how do we compare to ecosystems that also have that industry? Okay. Okay. That's number one. Mm. So for example, New York would not be considered an energy, <laughs> a place for energy, right? But they can develop software. So what, uh, there's a company in New York that has developed software that allows you to exchange energy between homes and at the same time exchange money at the same time oh, through blockchain, right? So I love, I love technology. Just, <laughs> just I'm just saying that out loud. <laughs> so that's an example that energy development can exist in many different places. Mm, um, mm, so the other piece to that is comparing us to other mid-sized cities, right? Okay. So we can go back to Ontario and look at Kitchener-Waterloo, look at Hamilton. Uh, but we could also go to the U.S. and look at places like Des Moines, right? So, mm, okay. there, so I tend, when I talk, speak to Calgary or, or try to understand how we compare, those are the two factors I look at. And there are mid-sized cities in the U.S. who are adapting to the fourth industrial revolution. There's actually a, a study from the Brookings, Brookings Institute to just show um, how divergent their economy is becoming, right? Because there are those who are adapting and creating jobs and, and you're seeing that happen. And then there are those who are not making those investments, right? Because to adapt, you need to make investments and they're not making those investments. And, you know, Montana is a, a good example of that, right? Not making investments and therefore the economy continues to decline. And there are, there are smaller amounts uh, uh, smaller geographic areas in the u.s that are producing way more gdp in comparison to to those who are not investing so hmm. so there's that piece to it as well but i yeah like i said i go back to mid-sized cities i go to okay. kitchener waterloo and the key investments that were made there by you know the blackberry uh founders yep. uh to establish research institutions to establish uh you know public transit systems that are much better now than they were 20 years ago but building the ability to build that ecosystem, um, I would look at those places. And if you look at Alberta, I've had a few people on the show talk about, well, look at ag in Western Canada and the role that that's played and the innovation that's taken there. Then look at the energy sector, you know, and all the ecosystem that was built around that, which is very much what you say. We're just now moving to a place where we've got to get other, you know, horses in the race, if, if you will, with our energy sector. And, and you talked about health tech, biotech, so many interesting things are happening here. We're just, it's just also early days. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes being, I think it was Jim Gibson from the school. He said, Tyler, he says, said respectively, we're 10 years late to a 20 year plan, but Hey, there's no, there's no better time to get started than now. And I, I really like that dichotomy of like, well, yeah, here's reality, but, and we're still going to move forward. And the last yeah. two years in Calgary, I don't know, maybe it's just because I talk to the people. <laughs> the nice thing about this podcast is I'm talking to the people that are doing the things. Yeah. There seems to be an incredible, like, we seem like we're accelerating. Like there seems to yeah. be like a bit of a Moore's law thing going on here where we're, we're, we're reducing and, and amplifying at the same time. And just hopefully as we get there, we're able to be as deliberate as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think each city meets their inflection point at different times, right? So in Ontario, the we could see the the crash of manufacturing, right? Yeah, like uh, uh, vehicle manufacturing, and that's when the adaptation began, right? Because there is a great impact on jobs and high quality jobs. This isn't just like about you know jobs; it's yes. about high quality jobs. So they had that's a, to that's, adapt. That's a very good qualifier. <laughs> yeah, so they had to adapt at an earlier pace than we did, right? It, out here in Alberta. Um, so there's always that inflection point and I would, I would agree with Jim that yes, for sure. We saw the signs, uh, way before, um, now, and we saw, uh, you know, what other cities were doing to, uh, uh, to build the fourth industrial period. And that, 
comes back to this point, uh, another point I wanted to make. So affordable housing, right? So one of the issues that, that greatly impacted our ability to adapt is just the cost of stuff, right? <laughs> so uh, when you have high oil dollars, then you're going to have more expensive stuff. And uh, when we talk about affordable housing, we tend to talk about, we tend to relate it to those who are poor. And I think that, you know, the science and, and the data shows that if we can provide stability to people's lives, they, they, there's a ton more potential that they're able to. Um, well, they have, they have more bring. bandwidth to focus on other things. Exactly. It's just the basic hierarchy, right? <laughs> if I don't have yeah. shelter or feel safe, I'm not going to be innovative or be kind of self-actuated if you want to go back just to the good old triangle. <laughs> yeah. So when, you know, when we talk about affordable housing, it's tied to like socialism or whatever, whatever. And I think there's nothing wrong with, with. No, uh, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but that, that, right. that, that, that comment scales all the way up and down the chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, that's where it's this whole balancing act, right, of like free market and, and, and how do we support a more vibrant free market is, you know, one of them is affordable housing. And the point I'm trying to make is that when we look at entrepreneurs, do we want them to put their capital into their business or put their capital into rent, right? So if we could support, so in that time, if we could have supported more affordable housing development to make the city more affordable for even entrepreneurs that don't have to pay skyrocketing rent and, and uh, not only at home, but in their commercial space, then could that have helped us adapt sooner yeah. than now? Uh, so we, I think we need to get away from this idea of like uh, socialism and free market and, and, and go towards what outcomes are we looking for? And what tools can we then put into place in order to reach that outcome? And some of them will be free market. Some of them will be, you know, socialism or whatever, yes. you know, people want to call it. Uh, but at the end of the day, if it reaches the outcome we're looking for, then what does it matter where it came from or what we think about it, right? So, uh, so I think that we need to, you know, focus more on outcomes and if, and then through that, use the tools. So it's similar with Imagine Cities. We have our research, we have our tools. And our tools are critical because it allows for the adaptation because it's kind of like a Home Depot, right? You, you have a job to do, you go into Home Depot, they have a thousand tools, right? And then you go through and you pick the right tool that suits your particular situation because no two situations are the same. And it allows for that adaptation. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create more and more tools People come in and use and shift and change because even the tools that we have there, people can adapt those tools to meet their, their local need, right? I like the tools analogy because you're right. There's no two projects and the wrong tool d doesn't make it go better. Like, you know, the hammer, when you need a wrench and you have a hammer, you basically don't have anything at all. <laughs> Even if you just keep hitting it, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, exactly. Which, oh, that's such an interesting, when you think about it from that, like really understanding the Aligning on shared outcomes. What do we? And then, then the mechanism becomes irrelevant or becomes secondary because we've now agreed on the wicked problem we're solving. As I like that, you know, falling in love with the problem and understanding what we want to have. Yeah. And it was the old joke: if if you, if you don't like, if you want to stop shooting out the window, stop hanging the target in front of it. Jeez, I can't believe this window got shot at again. I'm like, well, look, there's the target. Weird <laughs> that we didn't get those two things. As they as they as they say, and you know, always look past your target to make sure what's behind isn't going to get blown up when you shoot at the thing. It's random yeah. shooting analogy for. for <laughs> Um, hey, on a high note or on a positive yeah. note, this has been a very positive conversation because I appreciate Let's lay a foundation. Let's think about it from an incremental perspective. I love it. I'm still thinking about your cycling story. I have so many questions. I'm going to have to go read that. that I'm sure there's a case study around that somewhere. I'm going, to go around. I'm going to have to get you to send me that afterwards. What are the things that get you the most excited? You moved to, you know, you've been in Calgary six years. You know, I, I'm not going to be bold and call you a Calgary. I've been here for 20 years, so I call myself a Calgarian now. When I go back to Montreal, I feel like a tourist, which is kind of fun, actually. It's a great city to be feel like a tourist in. Um, what gets you excited about the city? Lots of things are changing. We're moving in some cool directions. Is there kind of a, a hit list for you? They're like, yeah, wow, that really gets me excited because I believe that's going to result in a, in, a, in a different outcome. I think that I think what excites me most about Calgary is just its roots, right? Mm, okay. I love Calgary's roots in the sense of you know, uh, you know, I took international history when I was doing my undergrad and just learning about you know, Ukrainians and, 
and uh, getting on a train from the East Coast, traveling here, and then put, being put on a plot of land with nothing. And they had to build a house and all that sort of stuff. I, I think that's incredible. Um, so that kind of story, but also it's natural environment, right? Like I live, uh, you know, a 40 minute drive from some of the most spectacular views. I, we have some, some of the most incredible parks in the country. Uh, we, we, we live in people, we live parks, in people's but, coffee table book. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. have a coffee table about our backyard. <laughs> I yeah. always laugh about that because <laughs> when you drive into the Rockies, that never gets old. Cause you yeah, have literally somebody has that on their wall somewhere as a dream destination. And it's 40 minute yeah. drive from my house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that is powerful. These... We can't overlook our natural, the majestic side of Alberta and BC is phenomenal. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And yeah, we're close to BC. So these are things that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Right. So I think we need to, you know, take pride in that. I think that um, we have our oil and gas history and the, you know, uh, that is that is there, but there's just so much more to energy, right? Like, I, and if I you saw look this, at the, the oil and gas yeah. and you look at the pioneering, the maverick, the entrepreneur, like all those words, and I think they all kind of go together because they all miss a piece if you just use one. Bunch of mavericks, yeah, a bunch of entrepreneurs, yeah. But that resilience and that ability to kind of, and I'll be blind, kind of get shit done, which is a bit of an Alberta way of mindset, we're applying that in other areas now. And I think like back to you said about like core competencies and actually beliefs, you can apply those in different areas and be and still be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we, we, I also, th I think that is true, but I also think that there's just so much to do in energy that we don't do yet. Right. So Ooh, I, from I the, saw this from the energy, from the energy transition. Yeah. yeah just from yeah. energy and not, and not just the energy transition. Like I saw this, uh, uh, this company that's based in Calgary, I think, and they, um, help fix electrical lines through robotics. So you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that is a valuable yeah. thing. Everyone has electrical lines. Like you can take this everywhere. So, uh, you know, when you look at that, I gave you that example of New York um, developing software. I think there's so much potential within energy itself that we need yeah. to look more broadly uh, beyond just, you know, the oil that we that we the, the version that we've got so accustomed to yeah. because it was it worked, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So and then beyond that, uh, yeah, health sciences, we're, we're taking engineers and, and training them to, to do other things, which is which is quite incredible. Um, so I think there is just, I think we're doing just a lot of the right things. I think that I it's going to take yeah. time. And I think that the, I think the other piece to it is, um, is ensuring that we recognize that it takes investment to transition and, and it takes investments to, to, you know, adapt people to new skill sets that create, that allow them to not only be in jobs, that create um, that are high value jobs, but also create companies themselves, right? So when you look at you know um, Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk came out of PayPal. There's mm -hmm. five different billionaires now that come out of PayPal, right? PayPal so, mafia, I think they're called. I think yeah, affectionately or not affectionately called, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that's so when you look at that, and you look, at, we have our newest unicorn being Neo. There's going to be founders that come out of Neo that established their own thing. Well, There's and those were founders that yeah. came out of Skip the Dish and there then moved there. You know, I've had some of them. I had Jeff Adamson on the show and I think I'm going to a Jeff speaking tonight in Calgary at a, at a panel. I'm going to go to chat, go see him. But, you know, interesting guy. And then they chose Western Canada. They chose to move from Winnipeg to here because of what they saw as opportunity. That's a great story on a bunch of levels. But you're right, the spinoff and the how many cycles deep are we on those exits and those reinvestments, we're really early on that phase for things outside of the energy sector specifically, to your point. But it's starting and it's happening now a little bit more frequently. It isn't once every year or so we're getting a media announcement like that. It's happening a little bit more frequently, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it is quite exciting. And, and as we transition and as the economic flow goes elsewhere, these pieces are going to be critical for us to be able to um, maintain our competitive edge, right? And, and being able to build cities that are thriving uh, because that's where people want to go. People want to yeah. go places, and th this goes back to like studies as well, right? Uh, when you look at um, the most competitive cities, so you can say, what do people come to cities for? Is it economic opportunity or is it livability? And I say that the, the most competitive cities in the world are the cities that understand you need to mesh the two. And how you, do you perform at a high level with both of them? Uh, so 
so you know and i think that we're we're increasingly doing that here in alberta um again with the investment in art commons and and even like theater calgary i love that you know last summer they took their theater production uh and took it out to the northeast took it out went to, to went to the individual communities yeah absolutely exactly. i had a chat yes. with them about that and their strategy and looking at some of the research that came out of new york of like how do you get the different boroughs to come in to go to certain locations that aren't just you know in the immediate proximity and that was a great yeah. that's a great story and again the one that doesn't get shared that much unless you knew yeah. about it you didn't know about it <laughs> yeah yeah i love that and you know uh, and we can learn from what other cities are doing i love that in new york uh they have an entrepreneurship desk at libraries right entrepreneurship is not just the you know the economic development office right everyone can participate and um, we can have another conversation about local economic development because there is a science to that as well um, but i love that our central library now has all these desks for employment and and you know supportive services it's it's, it's incredible um so well, i love just simply how a, how a library has redefined their role mm. from just a place where we store knowledge because now you can get that anywhere so we need mm -hmm. to be you need to be more just as a business what a great pivot let's put it let's call it that yeah another and another buzz another buzzword of the last two years <laughs> i'm going to uh you said vuca a couple times and i didn't i, I didn't understand the acronym and i just pulled it up so volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity <laughs> a vuca world it makes tons of sense now i didn't know i love a good acronym but i'm like hmm, i don't know what that is is. I'm going to dig around, but hey, 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 humans, get real comfortable with being with living in a VUCA world. <laughs> Volatility, uncertainty, things that a lot of humans run the opposite direction from, but yet we're faced with it every day. Not to end on that, but I do appreciate that. So that's a great. I will. I got uh, incre uh, incrementalism and VUCA, two things I'm going to work into my dialogue today, Ron. Thank you. <laughs> not a problem. This part of my part of my new word or new concept. It's not just the word; it's a concept. If I can learn a new concept every day, it's 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 a good day. <laughs> yeah. Um, ImagineCities.ca. Check out the website. You guys got .com. some information there. Uh, .com. I'm sorry. ImagineCities.com. Thank you, sir. Sorry about that. ImagineCities.com. Check it out. You guys really explain very well what your pillars are and what they stand for and what you do. If someone wants to get a hold of you and have a chat or dig in or you know connect with you, what's the what's the best way? Yeah, Ron at ImagineCities.com. Uh, reach nice. out. Happy to connect. Um, and uh, we're looking to launch our search engine and our. We're calling them learning guides, so those uh, tools uh, okay. in the next month or so. Oh, fantastic. Uh, okay, excellent. Well, keep me in yeah. the loop, and I'm happy to promote that and share that with people to let them know that they can go and, go and find it. Mm. Yeah, that would be great. And the third piece that we're doing is community activation. So we're looking to partner with post-secondaries to provide uh, student resources to communities. Uh, so in exchange for doing work in communities, the students get credits, but... Um, uh, to do oh, work amazing. over okay. a set period of time. So. You guys have some very cool stuff on the go. Well, Ron, thanks yeah. for the conversation today. I loved it. Thank you. Cool perspective. You brought me up to some higher levels here in my thinking, which I always am appreciative of. But thank you, sir. I really enjoyed chatting. And yeah, by all means, keep us in the loop and we'll share and keep our audience abreast of what you guys are working on. My pleasure. We'll do. And, uh, you know, I would have to, you know, just wanted to end it uh, just saying uh, it's incredible what, what Calgary's done in a short period of time. And I know there's a lot of people out there that want it to happen faster. And I totally understand that because people want jobs and good quality jobs that have good wages and benefits. Um, and that will come. Uh, I agree. And it, it, it is. And I, if, and yeah. I behoove people to like do some reading and get out there and do some digging. Cause yes, it, it can happen faster, but don't, don't be surprised when you get out there. There's a lot more things going on than you might realize. We're, we're yeah. very good sometimes at doing the thing and not always talking about the thing. That's part of why I started the show is like, someone's got to tell these great stories because there's amazing things going on in our city right now. Oh, I choose yeah. to, I choose to go dig and turn over those rocks and find them. So Ron, yeah. thanks so much for your, for Thank your words, you. your wisdom and the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Tyler. It's been, it's been really great. 